Welcome to Road School Moms Radio, where education meets adventure, right here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Mary Beth Goff, the road trip teacher, sharing my adventures in homeschooling from behind the wheel of my RV, currently in America's backyard. And I'm Holly Giles from the Giles Frontier, sharing my experiences in parenting right here on my back porch in Central Florida. Join us as we share our Christian perspective on parenting and home education. So find yourself a quiet, cozy spot, and let's share a little time together. (laughs) Welcome to episode 182 of Road School Moms Radio, where education meets adventure, right here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Special thanks to the sponsor of today's podcast, The Well-Planned Gal. Rebecca Ferris. She has various planners for every homeschool need, and the prayer journal is brand new. You know, these two road school moms can always use a little more organization. I can't wait to tell you more about this. A planner is not a planner unless it is a well-planned day planner. The well-planned gal, Rebecca Ferris, is a homeschool mom who has a gift, and she shares her talents with us in her planner series. A few of the amazing planners available are the Well-Planned Day, Student Planners, and even the High School Four-Year Planner. The newest product is the Well-Planned Prayer Planner with an all-in-one planner and organizer. Organize your day with a focus on placing God first. Journaling 101 as well as scripture verses permeates this beautiful book. Take it everywhere and you will have all the information you need right at your fingertips. Best of all, it becomes a keepsake and a wonderful guide for making prayer a priority. This journal truly is life-changing. Visit thewellplannedgal.com for more details. Welcome to Road School Moms, Cheryl. We're so glad to have you with us today. Tell us where in the world you are. Thank you, Mary Beth. I'm here in Florida, and it's about 100 degrees today. How about you, Holly? Are you coming to us still from your back porch? I am, and Cheryl's right. Cheryl and I are in the same state, and it is a scorcher today. (laughs) Well, I can tell you that I'm in the Midwest, and it's 92 where I am, so I don't think we have much temperature difference here across the states. No, it's about the same, but any kind of weather is good for this topic, picture books, which I love, and we invited you, Cheryl, here to talk to us because you just spoke at FPA. You had a whole workshop on picture books, and I'm sitting here reading your blog post from your website. Can you tell Mary Beth and I, uh, you you kind of define what picture books are. Can you do that for us? Yeah, I look at picture books as a combination of literary eloquence and artistic merit. So it's like the words and illustrations that work together to tell a story, and, and often a very powerful story. So generally, people think picture books is something that would be appropriate for the audience two to eight. But honestly, I picture books to me are one of those lifelong, like, and then you pass them down to generations. So honestly, I just believe it's it's one of the teaching me expand and move through all generations, any and any culture really. That's the beauty of a story, the power of a story, whether it's a picture book or a chapter book. So picture books. Um, for me, have been just a blessing in my life, starting back when my parents would read to me or, or the library would lady would come to our school. 
opportunity to, to delve into a book, into a place maybe that I had never been before. And especially with my parents, it was an opportunity to build a relationship with them in a way that maybe may not have happened in outside of that story telling. Example books allow kids to investigate emotions and things they're feeling and maybe things they're afraid of, events in their lives in a low stress manner. It's an opportunity for them to kind of go indirectly at something that really might be directly facing them in the present. So there's really a lot of different functions of a picture book. We often just think of, you know, picture books, go to the library, check a couple out and bring them home and we don't really see the vast impact that they can have on our lives or our children's lives. Well, I think they can touch even us as adults. You know, reading to my boys has been the best thing to me ever. And yeah. we have favorites that we feel like are home to us. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's just like the lady when she brought in blueberries for Sal. Um, I had never picked blueberries before and probably didn't even know what it looked like to pick blueberries. It just wasn't in our geographical location. But when I went with Sal to the Blueberry Hill and she got lost and I felt that sense of, oh, she find her mom? I was in that story with her and I wondered if she was going to find her mom and it touched something like, wow, what if I lost my mom? I thought about the times I spent in the, in the, in the kitchen with my mom baking. So yeah, it really, it's a multi-sensory uh, fat uh, aspect of, of learning that often doesn't get um, delved into when you're just reading a textbook or even that, for that matter, a chapter book that doesn't have any pictures. Yes, you have a, a, a story that's being laid out um, literary, in a literary manner, but you don't have that extra visual sense of story that a pictured book has. So I'll tell you that I think before I started homeschooling, Picture books to me were exactly what Cheryl said. They were for that younger, you know, that probably even age two to maybe a little younger, two to six or seven. You know, for me, we had those favorite, I don't, the Eric Carl books just kind of stick out in my mind. Those were ones that we read so many times. Um, And it wasn't until I started homeschooling that I really understood the misconception that, that they really were for early readers. And I know for my kiddos, it's been a huge blessing for our read-alouds. And I think that if that's the one thing that our listeners can take from today's podcast is really the value of picture books for all ages. And Holly, you hit on it earlier when you said they're even good for us adults. And so I think for me, that's, that's kind of how I've learned to use them is for all ages and not just for my younger kiddos. Mary Beth, you hit on a really important thing there was the age you know, often we do hear it's only for those younger, maybe two to four or six, but picture books extend way beyond that. Let me give you some examples of some categories of, of picture books. You've got your wordless picture book. Now, those are just what it says, a wordless picture book. It's only the illustrations, but they're done so beautifully, they still tell the story. The beauty of that is that a child who maybe isn't reading that or a very creative child can add the text to the pictures that are there. One of our absolute favorite wordless picture books is The Lion and the Mouse, which is a, a classic retelling of Aesop's fable. Um, and Jerry Pinkney does that extraordinarily um, with, I think there are acrylics that he did it with, but I, it might be watercolors. I'm not sure it's painting. Um, but it won the 2010 Caldecott Medal for its illustrative excellence. So that's one of those ones that 
if parents aren't familiar with wordless picture books, I always tell them, why don't you go try to pick up, pick up um, The Lion and the Mouse by Jerry Pinkney. Others, you know, Peter Spear, he's very well known for, for his wordless picture books. Got Rain and Noah's Ark for those are probably two of the most popular. And then Raymond Briggs has the snowman, which is perfect if you're going to do a winter study with those littles, because then they can actually make up the story as it goes along. So then you move kind of into that, like what we would call the preschool. I would call toddlers the the toddler are two year olds, the toddler years. But then you move into preschool, and you get into what I call the concept picture books. Those are those books that hit the little learners right at that time when they're just sponges to devour information. They're learning how to count. They're learning colors. They're learning the alphabet. um, They're learning environments and animals. And so these are the books that are very specific. They have a very specific target um, educationally. Again, it's low stress. So it's not like picking up a, you know, a workbook or a textbook. It's done very gently um, for that age, and usually it's done with some real phrases or catchy humor or rhythmic rhyme, which, again, draws the kids into the book. Some of our favorites, I think, off the top of my head are would be like Over in the Meadow by Marianne um, Burks, and she also wrote a whole series in that, with that, you know, Over in the Meadow, she just changed it to to meet a biome. So she's got over in the grasslands, over in the Arctic, over in a river and a jungle. So you can really go all through the biomes with your kids with that whole series of picture books, which people don't generally think of a, you know, a series of picture books, but that definitely is one. And you can get your science, your reading in the very back of those books, they have explanations of the animals. So you've got all of that right at your fingertips with one checkout at the library. The other thing I like about those concept picture books is often when you have especially a little guy who's trying to read and he is just really stuck, let's say, on construction vehicles or cowboys, a lot of times they'll have books that are in the concept picture book section, but they are to a specific interest. So there's the Cowboy ABCs by Chris Demarest. He also has a firefighter, A to Z1. Um, if you've got some of these musical you've got M is for Melody by um, Carol Crane, and that's part of that amazing series that Sleeping Bear Press does. They have an ABC series and, a, and also a counting series. So that's a, a way that you can learn concepts without having to really crack out a workbook. You can just sit down and enjoy and read together on a couch. And on a day like 100, it's 100 degrees, you don't want to go outside anyway. It's just quite comfy. You know, something you said, Cheryl, just really made a light bulb go off in my head. I think about wordless picture books. I wouldn't think that that had much value for anyone that had older kids. But it just occurred to me how much fun that could be in a household with multiple ages at read aloud time. How fun is that to turn the page and let one kiddo, you know, tell a story from those pages. And then when you turn the page, another kiddo, um, you know, tell the rest of the story from those picture books without words and really a great way to include younger kids that can't read yet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a a multi-age activity. It's, I've seen it work really well too with kids who maybe are a little older and aren't reading, whether that be from, you know, just whether that be verbal processing, dyslexia, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the challenge of reading or seeing words on the page is daunting and reminds them, oh, I just have a hard time doing this. But you give them a wordless picture book 
and ask them to tell the story or ask them. They can, they can dictate the story to you and you can even write it down for them if they wanted. And then they could go back and make their own illustrations. But there are a lot of different ways that you can use wordless picture books. That's a fabulous idea, Cheryl. I never thought about that, using that for children who might be having issues reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had a question for you. Uh, well, you know, you have such a vast knowledge on children and learning to read and all those different things. And I was thinking, what is it about, well, we notice it more in the picture book years that children want us to read the same books over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Do you have a theory on why that is? Well, I have a couple thoughts. Is One, they love us to be with them. They beg us to be with them. And it's a way that they can sit on your lap and be next to you yet again another time. Um, they crave for relationship. And that picture book or that, that favorite picture book that they have becomes the vehicle, another vehicle for an opportunity to grow that relationship I think another thing is the kids just love repetition. That age, they love repetition. It's that over and over again. I want to hear that again. That's familiar. It has a little ring to it. I can dance to it. I can clap to it. I can, there's just something of that inner sense that rhythm brings. And so you have that. The other, the other reason might be that they've got, like, let's say, um, which is about little Sal who loses her tooth. If you've got a, you know, a kindergartner who's losing that first tooth and they're wiggling, 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 and they never, they're like, oh, what is it ever going to come out? You know, they win. Her tooth gets, falls out, but actually gets lost. And then they become, oh my goodness, what happens to me? My tooth relate to the characters. And so it becomes one of those I'm in the story type of moments. It helps me get through this, situation in my life where I'm not sure how to go, but I get to do that in my mom's lap or I get to do that reading with my daddy. And there's just that sense of emotional well-being that comes along with hearing the written word. So Cheryl, what I'm hearing from you is a confirmation of how I feel also, and I know Holly does, that picture books are great for all ages. But can you share with our listeners who might be a little doubtful about this for their older readers, how can Mm. they encourage or keep your older readers encouraged to keep reading picture books, even if maybe the reading level is maybe a little beneath them. How can they encourage their older readers to, to stick with picture books? Yeah. Well, there's actually, I guess your question brings to mind a book I absolutely love. It's called The Raft by Jim LaMarche. And I may not be pronouncing that right, but um, it's about a boy who's, Late elementary, if not early middle school. So all of a sudden, you have a character that's of that age. So they relate to that. And he's going away for the summer in in a situation, again, where he's not real happy about having to leave his dad for the summer to be with his grandma. So there's that whole relational um, anxiety, the things that those kids might be feeling if they have to go away from their parents for the first time. Again, that's going to be probably maybe your older kids because the main character is older. The other thing that I do, uh, Mary Beth, is I always try to bring in um, books that are maybe biographical in nature. So a lot of those biography picture books are going to have more text. The the font sometimes gets smaller words. So your little kids are are not going to be as apt to sit there and read through, you know, the raft. 
or um, the other one of my favorites is Mary and Her Little Lamb by Will Moses, who actually I believe is the great grandson or the grandson of Grandma Moses. And so that's a retelling of the history of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Now, granted, that's a nursery rhyme, but the history behind that kind of grabs older kids and says, wow, I, I had no idea that that's the history behind how that story started. And in the back, they actually have more information for older kids who might be interested in taking this, this story a little bit deeper. The other one that, that absolutely comes to mind is Snowflake Bentley, which I'm sure your readers are familiar with, Jacqueline Briggs Martin. Again, it's a lot, lot more words, probably on the, you know, the upper range, six to 800 words. So you automatically have that. You have the ability to sit. But it tells the integral story about um, Snowflake Bentley, who, who saw snowflakes for the first time and actually photographed them for the first time. So I actually remember reading that, and my, my almost middle schooler was, actually she might have been middle school, completely enamored with the story so much that she started researching, well, what did those snowflakes look like? What are the actual books that he wrote with those photographs in them? And we found that online. So it was a springboard for a deeper study for her. So it wasn't just reading a picture book. And it, again, it's a picture book, but it's, it's a longer picture book. It's got more words. The words are a little bit, the vocabulary is a little bit harder. So there are some picture books that definitely span these older years. They're not all going to be what you call a Tanya Hoban or a, Denise Fleming with just real large font, very, very short number of words, maybe 100 or 200 words. They're going to be a little bit longer and they're going to be a little bit more engaging, a little bit more in depth and content. Well, you know, the raft is one of my favorites. <laughs> it is, I know that. <laughs> and Mary Beth was with us. We read that to the kids out by the river that day. Mm. And that one is, I just think the illustrations are so beautiful along with the story. Absolutely. And, uh, Snowflake Bentley, of course, is another one of our favorites. And I like that you said that that's kind of like a middle of the road where they're not really quite ready for maybe big chapter books, but even that's something they can, like even my 12 year old can pick up on his own and still feel like he's getting the pictures, but he's right. getting a little bit more of right. a story that he can. Right. And the other thing that I do with my older kids when they reach that middle school year, maybe we're reading a picture book like The Raft. Um, and we've got those, you know, because I've got right now in that range, two, three years old until 14 years old. And with that particular story, the older kids, they want to get their chalks out or their pastels or maybe their watercolors or their sketching how-to books. And they want to do the illustrative, the creative bent of the picture book. So they love the story, but then they want to go off and explore maybe that artistic medium that the, the, the illustrator me another example of that. And sometimes we'll go into the, the, the stories of the actual authors and illustrators. Like Jerry Pinkney is an amazing story about, you know, he was dyslexic, very dyslexic. And how he was encouraged to become an illustrator and how that worked out in his life. So your older kids, you can dig into the illustrations, the creativity, the authors and their experiences and not just stop at the story. That's such a good point. And, you know, I was thinking too, um, I know that all three of us are big, you know, fans of read alouds and I keep going back to that with picture books. I just want to pass along to our listeners that the other thing I think is such a great benefit of using picture books with your read alouds 
is that it really does also touch on not just the ages like we just discussed, but also the type of learner you have. So if you've got an mm -hmm. auditory learner, obviously he's, he or she's hearing the story. If you have a visual learner, just like Cheryl said, those, you know, those beautiful ends and, and all of that can really transport their brain to the mm -hmm. place where they can hear that story better. And even, a, you know, a kinesthetic learner or someone that, you know, that has to use their hands. I know Tori's that way. And so while we're reading aloud picture books and she can look at the story and bounce back from listening, she's also, you know, has maybe something in her hands, usually slime that she's messing with, you know, and I think that all goes together with, um, you know, being able to use picture books for read alouds for all types of learners. Absolutely. And then there are, like Robert McCloskey, who's classic picture book art, you know, author, illustrator, Make Way for Ducklings, Blueberry Sal, for Sal, like we talked about, also Lentil. He then wrote a chapter book. And my older kids, you know, that, that 12 and 14-year-old, after we're done reading the picture book, said, hey, didn't he write a chapter book? Yes, he did. Let's get that out. So that's another way to bridge over to those older kids. Well, they get to know their, their style a little bit of writing, you know, Robert McCloskey is such a favorite in our house and um, Homer Price is the chapter, right? Exactly. Yep. Homer Price. So funny. And, <laughs> There's so much humor in that book. I mean, I was even entertained as an adult. And I believe we've read it at least twice. I'm sure we'll read it again. And the more <laughs> you read it, the more of the humor you pick up on and at different yep. ages as well. Absolutely. They pick up on the humor. So, yeah, and, and, and then my creative child was playing kind of like an I spy because his drawings are so detailed and intricate. So she was playing an I spy on the Homer price, the, the pages that do have the illustrations on it. She was playing I spy with that. So you can meet the needs of so many ages of children with picture books, or in that case, a chapter book, just by hanging out with your family and asking questions, talking about the vocabulary, talking about the art and how it intrigues you or the author. There's just, there's so much that you can can do with a picture book and the treasures that are in, in between its covers. Let's talk about that quickly, Cheryl. Um, what is someone, a mom that has, you know, two, three, four kiddos and wants to use a picture book and touch on all the subjects for the week, walk her through that quickly, how she could do that, other than just the reading with the vocabulary and a little science or a little math here and there. Right. Well, what comes to mind immediately um, would be animals because animals are super interesting to especially those little preschooler friends and the little ones that are getting up into kindergarten and first grade. But I think about Marianne Burks and that series I was telling you about the over in the meadow, over in the Arctic, they've got grasslands, river jungle. And especially for you, for you mommies that are on the road, um, you've got the ability to use the geography that you're in. And then if you're in a, in a forest area, get the over in a forest book. And the nice thing about those books is like I said, they have the animal facts and the different things in the back. So it's all right there, self-contained and then go out and explore nature. If you've got a microscope or you can go out by the pond and, and look for the tadpoles or just go out there and sit quietly and see the animals, watch them. What are they doing? What smells do you smell? And then you can come back in and, and read the book again. The little kids are probably going to want to sing it. You can sing over in the meadow and then actually go to, if it's over in a over by the river, you can put that in there and sing sing the book as you go. So again, you can span all of those ages. Your older kids then could dig a little bit deeper into the research of the animals. Maybe even if you're lucky enough to get tadpoles, watch those for a while, watch them develop into frogs, or 
if it's more of a the one that she has on, I can't remember the one that has the insects in it, but it, what it, it, that gets into the, the life cycle of the butterfly. So just jump into wherever, wherever the child is, whether it's a three-year-old who just loves to sing the song or the five-year-old who happened to be with collage method and you want to dig into collage art, you can do that. There's just so much that you could do just from the picture book. Yeah, we've done, uh, Eric Carl before uh, pancakes, pancakes, or Walter the Baker, and then we've made those, you know, on our our own recipes as we read the book, and that sort of blended, you know, working in the kitchen together and how he describes. I think it's the pancakes, how the boy has to go out and get the milk and get the eggs and thresh the wheat and all those things. So it kind of serves as a twofold purpose of learning actually where all those ingredients come from. And then Absolutely. making the pancakes. That's been one of our favorite things with those books. Yeah, make an apple pie. How to make an apple pie and see the world as well is another one I think about it along those those lines. Oh, I love that one too. And she has another one too. I can't think of it right. It's right off the top of my head, but it's about the United States, I think. There's another one. Um, we're talking about older picture books and how do you carry that through the other subjects? I believe in in, in incorporating all different genres. Of course, you got the fairies and the fable tales. Or, <laughs> wow, that messed up, didn't it? The fable. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got myself in a rut. The fables and the fairy tales. Um, but I love um, tops and bottoms, which I actually read at FPEA in my workshop. Fabulous book. A newer picture book by Jan Stevens, but it's a trickster tale. And my children had never read a trickster tale before, but that is an absolutely engaging book. The illustrations are beautiful. It won a Caldecott, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then another one that I that I love is Helen Ward's Unwitting Wisdom, an anthology of Aesop's fables. So that's another where, place where you can use a picture book to jump into a genre study, um, again, that, that can span many different ages in your home. Um, and I, when I do a fable, let's see if I can get this right, a fable and a fairy tale unit, um, I look for like Little Red Hen and we'll do three or four different versions of it. And then we'll talk about how, you know, um, in different cultures, it was, it was an auditory culture. So they passed the story down from generation to generation and the stories changed. And so we'll read the different versions and then we'll say, what did you, what was different about that version? What did you like about that version? If you were writing a version, what would you add or would you take away? Or those are great conversations, especially to have with your older kids. The little kids will just say, yeah, read Little Red Hen again. And you've got five different versions and they'll be thrilled. And the older kids, you can run into like a little literary analysis type of a unit with that. Oh, I love that. Cause Stone Soup kind of is the same way. There are several different versions of that. Exactly. Yes, and I, I can give you all a list for that if you want to put, um, you know, a list on, on, a, on a link somewhere. I'd be more than happy to give you some ideas about how you can use different versions and even give you some examples of what that would be to, to do. A, you know, because little kids love, you know, gingerbread man. So you're reading that with your littles, but your olders then maybe can make their own. And then you can go in the kitchen and make some gingerbread man or make them for your neighbor at Christmas time as a gift. I love that. Yeah, we'd love to put together a little download. I wanted to ask you, um, who was the author of Tops and Bottoms again? Jan Stevens. Yeah, that's a brilliant book. It's, it, my kids are like, in fact, at FPEA, I had, of course, taken my copy from my home, and they wanted to make sure it was going to come back for number one. <laughs> number one. 
but they were like, can you read that? So the night before my workshop, I'm reading it to them in the hotel room because they just love that book. It's fabulous. I, I just love it. And I love to do the voices. Okay, hair, you know, um, it's a done deal. And my kids just love that. And then they can practice the voices too. There's a whole nother area of picture books that you can just dive into is, is, you know, intonation and voice and making up those characters' voices and what do you think they would sound like if they did it? There's a whole other area you could go into picture books. I love that. Well, I always love gleaning information from you, Cheryl, because you always have such great ideas. And I was looking over your list Hmm. of if you're building a home library, what are some must-have picture books? And I think I have almost everyone on the list. We're going to put the link to this post in our show notes so people can go directly to your website to get this list. Perfect. And I have everyone but Barkus. Is that how you say that? Yes, that's (laughs) that is that's Claire Newberry. Um, She's just she's an older an older illustrator, author illustrator, probably one of the very first well known author illustrators there are in picture books. She wrote Marshmallow, um, which one, that one I think is a, is a rabbit, if I'm not mistaken. But it's basically kittens and dogs and rabbits. And she does these beautiful charcoal uh, illustrations. You can probably find those on, online. I doubt you're going to be able to find her works in the public library because they've probably gotten, you know, they're out of print. So you might be able to have to find those online to add to your library. But Marcus is a, is a great story about um, a brother and a sister who get a little jealous because the one gets a pet and the other one doesn't right away. And so again, you've got a sibling situation. Siblings are always fighting with jealousy amongst one another. So it, it's a way to, that's a low stress way, an indirect way to have a discussion about sibling rivalry in your home. Um, and it doesn't just come from mom scolding again. Okay. We don't do that to brother. It's a story that we're going to remember that kind of sits with our heart. Yeah. I'm looking at this list and I'm just having memories of the boys. You know, we, have you ever read, uh, what is that? Sunbread. The book is called sunbread. I haven't, I haven't. I'm going to have to, it's, I just, uh, have it around here. And I used to read it to the children. It's a beautiful little book about a small town and mm. that is based around making this bread. It's called sun bread and how, you know, the, the city is interactive with the sun and it's just a beautiful little picture book. And so I actually, or I always got it from the library. There's a mm. recipe in the back. And so with each of the boys, when they were little, we would read the book and make sun bread. Mm. So I don't have it in our library. So I ordered it the other day and it came and Grayson, my 15 year old, he says, I'll make you a deal. I said, Mm -hmm. okay, what is that? And he says, I'll let you read (laughs) sun bread. If we can, if we can make the bread together. And I was like, okay, you'll let me. That's the whole point. That's why I think picture books are such, they, they're treasures. Like they truly are. They speak to our hearts. They might teach our minds. And in, in, you know, if you're looking at concept picture books, they're teaching the minds, but there's always picture books speak to the heart and it. It's the connection that you make with the people. It was the connection he made with you in the kitchen. I'm sure <laughs> that made yeah. him remember that. And the smell of the bread. I, I think another if you say a must-have list, I would say Virginia Lee Burton is probably another one. Again, her, her books may or may not be still readily available at the library, but they're definitely worth 
putting in your home library. That would be the little house, Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel, which maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, and then Katie and the Big Snow. Those are some of my absolute favorites. Um, intricate drawings, brilliant literary excellence, just, just really quality stuff. It truly is. I encourage people to even check out thrift stores and keep those books on your shelf. And even just like we discussed, when kids get older, don't pack them away. There's a, there's, you know, a a space on my shelf where those picture books stay and they really kind of become a part of the fabric of your family and your interactions. And Mm. you mentioned Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. We were traveling somewhere the other day as a family and there was a big, you know, uh, excavator type of something or other stuck in the mud somewhere. And my husband says, well, I bet Mike Mulligan's steam shovel would, would know what to do, how to get out of that. And it just struck me that those stories stay with you for so long and it really Everyone in the car knew what he was talking about, you know? It's a language. I love what you said, a fabric of our home. It is. It's a fabric of our home and how our hearts got tied together by the power of a story. I love that, Holly. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's why I love, like, I look over the years that I've used picture books. I think maybe it's been about 35, at least, unless you count the times I've read my brothers, even when I was a young child, because I did. So well over 30 years, 35 years um, of my life has been spent just loving having little friends on my lap, reading a story to them and watching their little light bulbs go on or their little hearts just melt or, or develop empathy or compassion for people over a story. It's just, it's just a phenomenal feeling. It's a wonderful way to teach without... I'm just going to say like without using your own words, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's no pretenses to it either. Stories, that's the greatest thing. Stories, they, they span across cultures and nationalities and ages and generations. And I think like, just like what happened in your car, you all knew who Mike Mulligan was. And there was a connection between your hearts because of that story. And whether you're talking about a picture book or, or a chapter book, or even an adult book, but just a great living book. That's what they do. They connect hearts, whether it's a heart of a family member or a heart of a, the reader to a main character. Um, it just it does something for that, so, that social emotional piece that we have about us. So I want to take a moment and really encourage our moms listening. You know, I don't recall many people reading to me as a child. I don't recall a lot of picture books or things like that. And that might not have been part of your story growing up. However, it is such a treasure to do with your children. And some families aren't quite sure how to get started reading to their kids or why would they want to do that. So could you just take a minute and really express how important reading aloud really is to us it, it was, it developed the language skills and it develops, you know, more than just a connection in your children. I think it really can help them throughout their entire life. So if it wasn't part of how you grew up and maybe you're unfamiliar, just, you know, we're going to put Cheryl's link on here. And I would suggest going to the library and getting a couple of these books and just getting on the couch and reading. What are your thoughts on that, Cheryl? 
Absolutely. That's exactly what I would say to do is just find a really good book. Start with this list list. Honey for a Child's Heart is another resource that you could pick up. Find one or two books and start with that. And you might, it might take a while because again, like you said, it's a fabric of your family. So when you're interweaving these, this new read aloud, if you want to call it a tradition or a heritage in your home, it's going to take a little while. But it won't take long. Just keep keep trying. Keep at it. Go to the library one week. Check out three books. Go to the library the next week. Check out three books and see how it goes. But you have to choose. The secret is you got to choose really good, engaging books. And this list here will start you off. And like I said, Honey for a Child's Heart is another resource. But be patient with yourself. Anytime that you're integrating something new into your home, it's not going to – it may not go easy. But keep at it and be persistent. Just choose another book and another book another good book and it'll build, it'll build until those one day when you are able to have that conversation, just like you did in the car. Oh, I bet Mike Mulligan could do that. And then that kind of engages hearts even closer. And then they want to read more because they want that feeling. It's, it's like anything, just be patient with yourselves, start small and then grow. Your home library will grow with your kids just as much as it has for our family. And I'm sure it has for years as well. Now, what would you say to moms who say, well, my children won't sit still for me to read to them for, you know, even a a picture book, what would be your advice? Because I know that you, it can be a training process over time, but can you give us some tips for that? I sure can. Um, I've had one that would knit or crochet. I've had some that would color. I've had some that would run hot wheels on the carpet. I've had some that will... Just sit and lay on the floor. Whether they want to lay on the couch, the floor, I let them take whatever posture is that they can to comfortable. So I would just say, again, be um, observant to your kids, of your kids, and then just realize there's no one right way how to do that. Start little and start with what's right for your family and go from there. Wonderful. Because, yeah, I don't, you know, we see grandiose pictures of families, you know, everyone sitting together. And and that might be the case in some point, but we don't want parents to think that's, it's always going to be that way. And if you have fidgety kids, a lot of times when they're doing something with their hands, they're really soaking in a yeah. lot more than if they were made to sit still. Yes, they are. And sometimes you may have to not be able to go to the couch. Maybe it's under the tree or on your front porch or down by um, the picnic area at the lake it, it, near your clubhouse, whatever it is, don't be afraid to get outside the box and allow it to be unique for your family. Because again, that's part of the whole multi-sensory experience that you have with a picture book. It might be outside in a treehouse. Do whatever works for your family. Well, Cheryl, I always love talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time with us. I know we had a Harry beginning. We've lost Mary Beth. She's in a remote <laughs> location this week. Um, thanks for having me. I always love being with you at the Giles Frontier, but also at the Road School Moms. So yes. Well, we will definitely have you back for other occasions, but Mary Beth and I have been talking about picture books and I said, Hey, I know Cheryl just got off of talking about that, wrote a great post and let's start from there. Awesome. So thank you for sharing your information and your wisdom with us. And we will put the link to your website directly to this post so everyone can have that list and read kind of your definitions and choices for what picture books are, which you did a great job. I I really, I love this post that you did. 
Thank you. Look for some more because they're they're there. I am I'm a mom, so I work at this stuff piecemeal and then go at it. So look for some more. Your website is a treasure trove for sure. So Cheryl writes on everything from littles all the way through high school. So there'll be something on there for everyone. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. We appreciate your time. You bet. Stay cool. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time, Holly. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Please remember to share your review with iTunes. Stay connected with the Road School Moms team from wherever in the world you are. Like our Facebook page for all the latest news. And join our private group for a more personal connection. You can also check our Pinterest boards for more resources and encouragement. Connect with me, Mary Beth, through my website at roadtripteacher.com. We invite you to leave comments, ask questions, and leave your prayer requests at roadschoolmoms.com. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all our adventures. To connect with me, Holly, visit thegilesfrontier.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Please remember to share your review with iTunes. Stay connected with the Road School Moms team from wherever in the world you are. Like our Facebook page for all the latest news. And join our private group for a more personal connection. You can also check our Pinterest boards for more resources and encouragement. Connect with me, Mary Beth, through my website at roadtripteacher.com. We invite you to leave comments, ask questions, and leave your prayer requests at roadschoolmoms.com. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all our adventures. To connect with me, Holly, visit thegilesfrontier.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.